Chapter Thirty One of Orley Farm by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leonard Wilson. Chapter Thirty One, Footsteps in the Corridor. Upon my word, I am very sorry," said the judge. "But what made him go off so suddenly? I hope there's nobody ill at the Cleeve." And then the judge took his first spoonful of soup no no there's nothing of that sort said augustus his grandfather wants him and orme thought he might as well start at once he was always a sudden harum-scarum fellow like that he's a very pleasant nice young man said lady staveley and never gives himself any airs i like him exceedingly poor madeline did not dare to look either at her mother or her brother but she would have given much to know whether either of them were aware of the cause which had sent Peregrine Orme so suddenly away from the house. At first she thought that Augustus surely did know, and she was wretched as she thought that he might probably speak to her on the subject. But he went on talking about Orme and his abrupt departure, till she became convinced that he knew nothing and suspected nothing of what had occurred. But her mother said never a word after that eulogium which she had uttered, and madeline read that eulogium altogether aright it said to her ears that if ever young orme should again come forward with his suit her mother would be prepared to receive him as a suitor and it said moreover that if that suitor had been already sent away by any harsh answer she would not sympathize with that harshness the dinner went on much as usual but madeline could not bring herself to say a word she sat between her brother-in-law mr arbuthnot on one side and an old friend of her father's of thirty years standing on the other the old friend talked exclusively to lady staveley and mr arbuthnot though he now and then uttered a word or two was chiefly occupied with his dinner during the last three or four days she had sat at dinner next to peregrine orme and it seemed to her now that she always had been able to talk to him she had liked him so much too was it not a pity that he should have been so mistaken and then as she sat after dinner eating five or six grapes she felt that she was unable to recall her spirits and look and speak as she was wont to do a thing had happened which had knocked the ground from under her had thrown her from her equipoise and now she lacked the strength to recover herself and hide her dismay after dinner while the gentlemen were still in the dining-room she got a book and nobody disturbed her as she sat alone pretending to read it there never had been any intimate friendship between her and miss furnival and that young lady was now employed in taking the chief part in a general conversation about wolves lady staveley got through a good deal of wool in the course of the year as also did the wife of the old thirty years friend but miss furnival short as her experience had been was able to give a few hints to them both and did not throw away the occasion there was another lady there rather deaf to whom mrs arbuthnot devoted herself and therefore madeline was allowed to be alone then the men came in and she was obliged to come forward and officiate at the tea-table the judge insisted on having the teapot and urn brought into the drawing-room 
and liked to have his cup brought to him by one of his own daughters so she went to work and made the tea but still she felt that she scarcely knew how to go through her task what had happened to her that she should be thus beside herself and hardly capable of refraining from open tears she knew that her mother was looking at her and that now and again little things were done to give her ease if any ease were possible is anything the matter with my madeline said her father looking up into her face and holding the hand from which he had taken his cup no papa only i have got a headache a headache dear that's not usual with you i have seen that she has not been well all the evening said lady staveley but i thought that perhaps she might shake it off you had better go my dear if you are suffering isabella i'm sure will pour out the tea for us and so she got away and skulked slowly upstairs to her own room she felt that it was skulking why should she have been so weak as to have fled in that way she had no headache nor was it heartache that had now upset her but a man had spoken to her openly of love and no man had ever so spoken to her before she did not go direct to her own chamber but passed along the corridor towards her mother's dressing-room it was always her custom to remain there some half-hour before she went to bed doing little things for her mother and chatting with any other girl who might be intimate enough to be admitted there now she might remain there for an hour alone without danger of being disturbed and she thought to herself that she would remain there till her mother came and then unburthen herself of the whole story as she went along the corridor she would have to pass the room which had been given up to felix graham she saw that the door was ajar and as she came close up to it she found the nurse in the act of coming out from the room mrs baker had been a very old servant in the judge's family and had known madeline from the day of her birth her chief occupation for some years had been nursing when there was anybody to nurse and taking a general care and surveillance of the family's health when there was no special invalid to whom she could devote herself since graham's accident she had been fully employed and had greatly enjoyed the opportunities it had given her mrs baker was in the doorway as madeline attempted to pass by on tiptoe oh he's a deal better now miss madeline so that you needn't be afeard of disturbing ain't you mr graham so she was thus brought into absolute contact with her friend for the first time since he had hurt himself indeed i am said felix i only wish they'd let me get up and go downstairs is that miss staveley mrs baker yes sure come my dear he's got his dressing-gown on and you may just come to the door and ask him how he does i am very glad to hear that you are so much better mr graham said madeline standing in the doorway with averted eyes and speaking with the voice so low that it only just reached his ears thank you miss staveley i shall never know how to express what i feel for you all and there's none of em have been more anxious about you than she i can tell you and none of em ain't kinder-hearteder said mrs baker i hope you will be up soon and be able to come down to the drawing-room said madeline and then she did glance round and for a moment saw the light of his eye as he sat upright in the bed he was still pale and thin 
or at least she fancied so, and her heart trembled within her as she thought of the danger he had passed. "'I do so long to be able to talk to you again. All the others come and visit me, but I have only heard the sounds of your footsteps as you pass by.' "'And yet she always walks like a mouse,' said Mrs. Baker. "'But I have always heard them,' he said. "'I hope Marian thanked you for the books. She told me how you had gotten them for me.' she should not have said anything about them it was augustus who thought of them said madeline marian comes to me four or five times a day he continued i do not know what i should do without her i hope she is not noisy said madeline laws miss he don't care for noise now only he ain't good at moving yet and won't be for some while pray take care of yourself mr graham she said i need not tell you how anxious we all are for your recovery good-night mr graham and then she passed on to her mother's dressing-room and sitting herself down in an armchair opposite to the fire began to think to think or else to try to think and what was to be the subject of her thoughts regarding peregrine orme there was very little room for thinking he had made her an offer and she had rejected it as a matter of course seeing that she did not love him she had no doubt on that head and was well aware that she could never accept such an offer on what subject then was it necessary that she should think how odd it was that mr graham's room door should have been open on this especial evening and that nurse should have been standing there ready to give occasion for that conversation that was the idea that first took possession of her brain and then she recounted all those few words which had been spoken as though they had had some special value as though each word had been laden with interest she felt half ashamed of what she had done in standing there and speaking at his bedroom door and yet she would not have lost the chance for worlds there had been nothing in what had passed between her and the invalid the very words spoken elsewhere or in the presence of her mother and sister would have been insipid and valueless and yet she sat there feeding on them as though they were of flavour so rich that she could not let the sweetness of them pass from her she had been stunned at the idea of poor peregrine's love and yet she never asked herself what was this new feeling she did not inquire not yet at least whether there might be danger in such feelings she remained there with eyes fixed on the burning coals till her mother came up what madeline said lady staveley are you here still i was in hopes you would have been in bed before this my headache is gone now mamma and i waited because well dear because what and her mother came and stood over her and smoothed her hair i know very well that something has been the matter there has been something eh madeline yes mamma and you have remained up that we may talk about it is that it dearest i did not quite mean that but perhaps it will be best i can't be doing wrong mamma in telling you well you shall judge of that yourself and lady staveley sat down on the sofa so that she was close to the chair which madeline still occupied as a general rule i suppose you could not be doing wrong but you must decide if you have any doubt wait till to-morrow no mamma 
i will tell you now mr orme well dearest did mr orme say anything specially to you before he went away he he come to me madeline and sit here we shall talk better then and the mother made room beside her on the sofa for her daughter and madeline running over leaned with her head upon her mother's shoulder well darling what did he say did he tell you that he loved you yes mamma and you answered him i could only tell him yes i know poor fellow but madeline is he not an excellent young man one at any rate that is lovable of course in such a matter the heart must answer for itself but i looking at the offer as a mother i could have been well pleased but mamma i could not well love there shall be an end of it at least for the present when i heard that he had gone suddenly away i thought that something had happened i am so sorry that he should be unhappy for i know that he is good yes he is good and your father likes him and augustus in such a matter as this madeline i would never say a word to persuade you i should think it wrong to do so but it may be dearest that he has flurried you by the suddenness of his offer and that you have not yet thought much about it but mamma i know that i do not love him of course that is natural it would have been a great misfortune if you had loved him before you had reason to know that he loved you a great misfortune but now now that you cannot but think of him now that you know what his wishes are perhaps you may learn but i have refused him and he has gone away young gentlemen under such circumstances sometimes come back again he won't come back mamma because because i told him so plainly i am sure he understands that it is all to be at an end but if he should and if you should then think differently towards him oh no but if you should it may be well that you should know how all your friends esteem him in a worldly view the marriage would be in all respects prudent and as to disposition and temper which i admit are much more important i confess i think that he has all the qualities best adapted to make a wife happy but as i said before the heart must speak for itself yes of course and i know that i shall never love him not in that way you may be sure dearest that there will be no constraint put upon you it might be possible that i or your papa should forbid a daughter's marriage if she had proposed to herself an imprudent match but neither he nor i would ever use our influence with the child to bring about a marriage because we think it prudent in a worldly point of view and then lady staveley kissed her daughter dear mamma i know how good you are to me and she answered her mother's embrace by the pressure of her arm but nevertheless she did not feel herself to be quite comfortable there was something in the words which her mother had spoken which grated against her most cherished feelings something though she by no means knew what why had her mother cautioned her in that way that there might be a case in which she would refuse her sanction to a proposed marriage 
Isabella's marriage had been concluded with the full agreement of the whole family, and she, Madeline, had certainly never as yet given cause, either to father or mother, to suppose that she would be headstrong and imprudent. Might not the caution have been omitted? Or was it intended to apply in any way to circumstances as they now existed? "'You had better go now, dearest,' said Lady Staveley, "'and for the present we will not think any more about this gallant young knight.' And then Madeline, having said good-night, went off rather crestfallen to her own room. In doing so she again had to pass Graham's door, and as she went by it, walking not quite on tiptoe, she could not help asking herself whether or no he would really recognize the sound of her footsteps. It is hardly necessary to say that Lady Staveley had conceived to herself a recognized purpose in uttering that little caution to her daughter and she would have been quite as well pleased had circumstances taken felix graham out of her house instead of peregrine orme but felix graham must necessarily remain for the next fortnight and there could be no possible benefit in orme's return at any rate till graham should have gone end of chapter thirty one of orley farm by anthony trollope Recording by Leonard Wilson of Springfield, Ohio.